before I uh, invite you to stand for the reading of the lesson, I want to in, uh, introduce um, Reverend John Harrington. Most of you may know him. He's John uh, retired uh, from the uh, Florida Conference uh, after 40 years, but he is a, a native son of North Carolina. Uh, and so they returned to this area and joined us here at Harrison about a year ago. And so um, he made the mistake of uh, offering to preach today, and so I let him. Uh, and so I'm so grateful that he's willing uh, to do that. Not that I'm already gone, but I'm getting there. Uh, so uh, it is a privilege and an honor to have John deliver the word for us this morning. So I'm going to invite you to stand while I read the tr Scripture lesson. His text comes to us from uh, Luke. Uh, the second chapter of Luke's gospel, and it is sort of the traditional text on the Sunday uh, after Easter, uh, after Easter, after Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's read, beginning with verse 21. Uh, after eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they, the parents, brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Spirit Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. There, the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
It's really good to be here today and good to help my brother in Christ get a little well-deserved rest. Uh, Pax Vibiscum, go in peace. Uh, before my homily, I'd like for us to pause for just a moment to think about our Jewish brothers and sisters. If you've seen the morning news in a suburb north of New York City, Someone broke into a Hanukkah celebration in the home of a rabbi and stabbed five people. Uh, every Christmas and every Easter, we have an explosion of anti-Semitism. Uh, beloved, you can't love Jesus and hate the chosen people. So let's just take a moment to pray for all our Jewish sisters and brothers, especially those impacted by this tragedy. And may the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Amen. When Jesus was a boy, he made little birds out of clay and brought them to life. When Jesus was a boy, a neighbor chopped off a foot with an axe and Jesus healed him. When Jesus was a boy, he made a great feast for his family from a single grain of wheat. When Jesus was a boy, he stretched a piece of wood to help his father, Joseph, finish making a bed. When Jesus was a boy, his brother James was bitten by a poisonous snake. And Jesus healed him. Or so it says in the infancy gospel of Thomas. But the infancy gospel of Thomas, like other works of fiction, was rejected by the early church fathers. These stories about the boy Jesus were not included in the canon alongside Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We know little about the so-called hidden years between the birth of Jesus and his emergence in ministry at about age 30. People in antiquity, though, were curious about what Jesus was like as a boy, as an adolescent, and as a young adult. And that curiosity about what Jesus was like as a boy continues in the modern age. People are curious about what Jesus was like as a boy, as an adolescent, as a young adult. 
Novels have been written about this, including novels by non-Christians like Philip Pullman, an agnostic, Naomi Anderson, a Jew, and even Deepak Chopra, a New Age guru. As entertaining as these stories are, though, they are fiction. What do we know about Jesus between his birth and his emergence in ministry? Well, Luke tells us he was born in a stable and laid in a manger And that tipped off by angels, shepherds came and adored him. He also tells us that on the eighth day he was circumcised. And then later was presented in the temple by his parents. That's our gospel lesson for today. Luke also tells us that when he was 12... His parents took him back to the temple where he amazed the scholars with his wisdom and got left behind by his dad and mom. Matthew tells a different story. He tells about the wise men who journeyed from afar, who brought the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh about the holy family fleeing to Egypt to escape the wicked King Herod who murdered all the children in Bethlehem under the age of two trying to kill the Christ. And what do Mark and John tell us about the birth? Nothing. Now, since we're so curious about Jesus as a boy, as an adolescent, as a young adult, why didn't the editors of what we know as the Bible include more stories about that period of his life? I think it's a matter of what Rudolf Bultmann called kerygma and myth. The teachings of Christ and the narration about his life. The teaching about the life of Jesus is absolutely fascinating. What a story! The miracle birth... The water into wine, the walking on the water, the healings, the disputes with Pharisees and Sadducees, the transfiguration, the baptism, the death, the resurrection, the ascension. It's a great story. And maybe the reason that the gospel writers tell us so little about the incidents 
in the life of the young Jesus is that they don't want us to be distracted from his teaching. His teaching about how we're supposed to live. Ben Franklin said, How many observe the Christmas holiday, how few the Savior's birth. Tis easier to keep holidays than to keep commandments. So, what do we know about Jesus from birth through boyhood, through adolescence, and as a young adult? Well, we know from today's gospel lesson that Jesus had faithful parents. Jesus had faithful parents. On the eighth day, Jesus was circumcised. And then later, Jesus was presented in the temple where they made an appropriate offering, a pair of birds. As poor people, that was acceptable instead of the called-for bird and lamb. And we know that he grew up in the the synagogue at Nazareth. We know that because Jesus was so incredibly familiar with the Hebrew Scriptures. Over and over in the New Testament... Are we under fire? (laughs) Incoming! Over and over in the New Testament, Jesus uses this knowledge of Scripture in his disputes with the Pharisees and Sadducees. He got that knowledge of Scripture by that weekly attendance in synagogue. Now, I'm going to quit preaching and go to meddling. Jesus' parents presented him in the temple and then took him to weekly services. We present our children in the church for baptism. But then some of us are not very faithful about bringing our children to weekly services. For too many of our families, church is what you do on Sunday if you don't have a better offer. Or if you're not too tired from watching Clemson beat Ohio State. We know from Luke that Mary and Joseph were faithful parents. And a part of that was bringing Jesus to Sabbath services every week. Now, I'm not trying to guilt you if you've got three kids in diapers or if you have to work on some Sundays or if you're sick. But some of us need to be more intentional about including weekly worship 
in our life cycle, especially if we're responsible for children. We know from the gospel that Jesus had faithful parents. We also know from the gospel that Jesus was identified as the Christ by two pious Jews. Jesus was identified as the Christ by two pious Jews, Simeon and Anna. Scripture describes Simeon as righteous and devout. And after Simeon, righteous and devout, had his encounter with the Christ child, this is what he said. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And Anna, the Bible says, she never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer day and night. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Jesus was early identified by the Christ by these two pious Jews. Now, like these two Jews, many of us long for a meaningful, personal encounter with the Christ. But some of us aren't willing to do the work of piety. What do I mean by piety? I mean worship, Bible study, prayer, fasting, and receiving the sacraments. Simeon and Anna were pious and had that meaningful personal encounter with Christ. If we would have a meaningful encounter with Christ like them, we must be pious. This is a time of year when people make New Year's resolutions. Resolving to have a more meaningful relationship with Christ without committing yourself to worship, prayer, Bible study, fasting, and the sacraments. It's like committing yourself to lose weight without making a commitment to die and exercise. I have a friend who in an antique store bought a wooden box. And on the side of the box it says, dynamite. The box was used by the Hercules Powder Company early in the 20th century to ship dynamite. And it says in red letters, handle with care. 
My buddy keeps it in his family room and uses it to hide his junk. The label notwithstanding, there's nothing powerful there. In exactly the same way, some of us are labeled as disciples of Jesus Christ. But there's nothing powerful there because we haven't done the vital works of piety. What do we know about Jesus from his birth to his emergence in ministry? Not very much. But we know from today's gospel lesson that he had faithful parents and that he was identified as the Christ by two pious Jews. Let us follow the example of those faithful parents and those pious Jews. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. As the Christmas holidays wind down, O oh God, we pray that the joy of Christmas will propel us with enthusiasm and optimism into the new year. Strengthen our resolve to be more faithful as parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, neighbors, so that the children in our families and community will come to know Christ as Lord. And strengthen, we pray, our resolve to engage diligently in acts of piety, in worship and prayer and Bible study and fasting and the sacraments, so that we can connect with Christ with passion, like Simeon and Anna. These things we ask in the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, who taught his first disciples to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's stand. And receive this blessing. The blessings of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless, preserve, and keep you now and always. Amen.